Hello, Mama. This is Reaching Abundance. And today, we're going to talk self-care. What is real self-care? And why what we see online being touted as self-care is just a lie. My intention is that hearing these actions that really are and aren't self-care and why will help you decide with confidence which self-care activities really do build you up, improve your life, and bring peace to your mind. I invite you to dream about how the changes you implement now can not only impact you, but those around you, and how all of us carry the effects exponentially forward into the future. Before we dive in, I want to just thank you for being here with me. I created this podcast so that I can reach and help change mama's lives. If I say something that makes you nod your head in agreement, or even if I say something that strikes you, please hit the like button, the subscribe button, or even provide a review for the show. Screenshot the episode Share it in your Instagram or Facebook stories and tag me at Happy Healthy Abundance. Abundance is possible for all of us, no matter where you are, in which stage of life. Welcome to the Reaching Abundance podcast, where your host, Virginia Elder, shares helpful guidance for moms around positive mindset, creating simplicity, practicing true self-care, and most of all, money management. Her financial journey toward a better life blossomed into an insatiable desire for overall happiness and abundance. Hang out with her right here each week while she ditches the taboos around women and money, shares resources, educates, and financially empowers all the mamas. Hey, mama. So today's topic might be a little touchy for some people, but the question that was coming to me and something that has been on my mind so much lately is, are we allowing real self-care into our lives or just excuses? This has been, like I said, incessantly on my mind, and it's been popping up in multiple areas of my life, and not in the manicures and highlights and typical hashtag self-care way. I mean real self-care, like things that actually improve your quality of life, remind you of the value you bring to the world, and bring your stress level down for the foreseeable future. So self-care and this topic has been coming at me from all different directions. And this is perfect because it is the new year. Everybody's trying to implement a healthier routine, a workout, you know, a better way to manage stress, maybe another time management method or a myriad of things that we adults are trying to do to improve our lives in addition to business goals, personal goals, financial goals, all of those things. So self-care is often thrown around, right? When someone is taking part in an action that may look cool or seem fun for the moment, but that really they shouldn't be doing. The because self-care 
movement has completely opened the gates for selfish behavior. And it's given people across the board an outlet in which to flaunt that ridiculous behavior. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen the Instagram posts where someone is clearly spending beyond their means and tagging it as self-care. That's not self-care, honey. I'm sorry. Um, Another great example is ordering the brownie when you're already full. That's not self-care. It's self-sabotage. That little smirk while you say, I deserve it, that should be a giant glaring red flag. Instead, it's become laughable and acceptable and maybe even receive a, you go girl, from a few seats away. But I'm confused. You deserve what? An upset stomach? You deserve to spend the next day or week replaying a negative internal monologue of guilt around the consumption of that brownie? Do you deserve feelings of forced workouts because you've quote-unquote got to work off those calories? No. Stop it. If only that brownie came with a note that said, Congratulations. Enjoy caring for your indigestion and upset stomach for the rest of the evening. All because this was your coping mechanism of choice. You think then we would think twice? I'm not so sure. Okay, so it sounds like I'm hating on the weight loss crowd or perpetuating the diet and deprivation culture. And I promise I'm not. I use the brownie example because that's a personal story of mine. One that I've lived a thousand times and probably will again. Switch out that brownie for anything. A new outfit, a mani-pedi, anything you can think of that you've said that you deserve at one point or another. Maybe even a glass of wine. I'm guilty of that one too. We and society around us have somehow gotten to a point where we've just got it all completely backward. So come with me. Let's take a minute and let's evaluate all the things that we skip or avoid and the things that we do instead while claiming that we need a self-care minute. Skipping the workout day after day isn't self-care. It's the avoidance of focused effort toward a healthier mind and body and a choice to feel sluggish, be down on ourselves about our shape, and our allowance of another tier of potential shame in our lives. Using another personal story as an example, I figured out long ago new highlights made me feel great in the moment. They were a great change of pace for that gal in the mirror. I loved seeing the blonde in my hair. And it boosted my ego with compliments from friends and everyone for several weeks into the future. But is getting highlights really self-care? No. It was just a band-aid for the real, raw, negative feelings I had for myself. The highlights were a distraction from my imperfect skin, a shiny object to detract attention from my hidden yet very real body image issues, and a way that I was able to exert control over what people saw of me. I didn't need to spend $80 every six weeks, which, by the way, is a fabulous price. Don't get me wrong. My hair girl is awesome. 
But all those highlights did was apply a mask to my real feelings about my looks, add some guilt, like a cherry on top, about the money that was being spent selfishly, and perpetuate the image that I thought other people needed to see to like me. Same thing goes for spray tans and fake nails and new shoes every week. Switch out whatever selfish action, whatever it is. What do you do to dress up and hide the secret negative self-worth that you actually feel when you look in the mirror? I know, it's dark. This isn't a lecture. This isn't to bash those who religiously get their nails did. I absolutely get my nails done. And I just recently got my eyebrows microbladed and I love them. But there's a difference to what I was doing back then and the feelings I had around why I was getting new clothes or highlights or whatever versus the choices I make now and the feelings behind them. So these are the questions. These are the hard reality questions that I had to dig deep and ask myself and find out. What image are you trying to uphold or prove? What are you doing in an attempt to show them what you want them to see? What lie are you perpetuating through those actions in order to fill the void and maintain that image? There are no right or wrong answers to these questions, and maybe you have to rephrase some of these to make them applicable to your life. Maybe you've never even thought about things this way, so no answers are coming to your mind. That is okay. It took me years, okay, basically my whole life up until now to realize that what I was doing was not self-care and that it was actually just wasteful, selfish actions that I was taking part in in an effort to fill a void. To put it in much more perfect words, my lovely friend at Quantum Body Wellness, who focuses on mind-body connection through therapy and massage, says self-care is calming the nervous system, not just meaningless activities. And she completely nailed that one. Increasing my personal confidence, comfort, and acceptance around my height, weight, curves, happiness with my looks, and even finding a sense of fulfillment and purpose in this life have all been part of my journey the past several years. Now, by no means do I have it all figured out, but I am a lot happier, more comfortable, and more confident than I ever was before in my life, all because I decided I no longer wanted to be afraid of, much less care, what other people thought. And because I knew that I'd have to love myself before I could ever truly expect my kids to love themselves. As a mom, when I began this self-discovery journey toward true self-care, nothing in the world made me more sad than the thought of raising a child To have all these skills, this great education, support in every way possible. The soccer team, the new dress, the best of everything. What was the point and what could they do with all this energy and effort and positive vibes if they weren't taught to love themselves and believe in themselves first and foremost? As I've said before, and I'm sure you've heard it from people besides me, 
Children will do what we do, not as we say. This is the biggest motivator of all for me right now, and it has been since the day my first child was born. I worked so hard and will continue to work so hard to be the absolute best example possible for my children. I'll walk the walk and talk to them about it in hopes they will be able to live to their full potential and reach a level of abundance that I can only dream of because they had a good mentor and teacher in me. So if all the peripheral, commonly touted, social media bragged, look at me type things aren't self-care, then what on earth is? What activities are actually real self-care? And the most important question, how do we know the difference between an imposter activity and the real deal? Here's the easiest, boldest indicator. If it's something that will result in any measure of guilt, it's not true self-care. If you canceled on a friend or said you were going to an event but didn't and thought, eh, self-care, to yourself with a shoulder shrug while simultaneously shoving down the feelings of guilt that you left someone hanging, that's not self-care. If you went for some retail therapy because your feelings are hurt or because you had a bad day and you found yourself spending unbudgeted money on stuff you don't even need that you're going to want to return in a few days, that's not self-care. That's the coping method of choice. Buying things because they're pretty and marketed well and for a second you fall prey to believing that you'll feel better or prettier when you wear that new top or carry that new handbag and that your problems will be easier to deal with. But what's really happening? You're setting yourself up for guilt around money spent, time wasted, and you're funneling your emotions into a meaningless action instead of truly dealing with the thoughts and feelings from the bad day or the argument or whatever it was. Retail therapy is not self-care. Online shopping, it's typically developed as a habit to cope with boredom or stress, and it's along the same lines. We just browse and put pretty things in our cart because we're buying into the deception that if we wear that necklace, drink that shake, carry that purse, whatever it is, that our new look, well, for one, we're believing that we'll look like the model looks, which we all know is false. But then for two, we're believing that that new look will cast a shadow on whatever that problem was. And all we're really doing is ignoring our true feelings about the issues. And avoiding facing those feelings is not self-care. Along the same lines, that consistent salon visit because you need me time. When you're only indulging in that habit for peripheral reasons, which could be um, maybe you're trying to fit in with other women at work. Maybe you're buying the belief that you'll appear more professional. Or because maybe you crave the attention and praise around having a fresh set of nail tips. When really, behind the scenes, you're stressing about money, you're arguing about priorities with your husband, and you're feeling guilty about pawning off the kids for that extra hour. That's not self-care. Things that are actually self-care are things that improve your quality of life and maybe improve the quality of life of those around you for a prolonged period of time. 
These are things that calm your nervous system. Activities that may or may not have to do with creating a healthier sleep schedule, better exercise routine, or implementing a meal plan. Things that might require a little sacrifice now so that you can reap the benefits in the long run. And actions that you'd be proud of instead of feeling guilty about or feeling the need to justify. Actions that I've discovered are real, true self-care for me include contributing to retirement, walking or jogging outdoors by myself, hiring professionals to take the pressure off, and dedicating real time away. That time off might include a hot bath or yoga or getting a massage or even a night out with friends. I would even go so far as to say that quiet time with a book or an hour allotted each Sunday to coordinate schedules and put things on the calendar or even meal prepping are self-care for me. Now, (laughs) I see you. You're like, what? (laughs) How is meal prepping self-care? How is coordinating schedules and calendaring self-care? Well, this short list of things, and there's more where that came from, is full of activities that, when I do them, they make my life and the lives of those around me better. When these things, like calendaring, planning the week or weekend, and meal prepping happen, I'm less stressed, I'm clearer-headed, and I'm more present which are all completely my goals in life right now. Hey mama, this episode is brought to you by Erin Condren and her collection of planners. She's most well known for her trendy colored and highly useful life planner collection. I've been using her petite meal planner and it took the exercises I'd been doing separately on my own to create grocery lists and plan and prep meals for the week and allowed me to have a single, organized, adorable booklet in which to consolidate my grocery list, day-to-day meal schedule, and meal prep notes, like which day to pull out chicken for defrosting and which vegetable goes with which meal. Erin's a mom of two and has very smartly designed her planners to be mix and matchable so that we can customize them to contain the pieces we need to organize our lives. I highly recommend you check out the Life Planner, her petite planners, and accessories using my affiliate links in the show notes. With Erin Condren planners, you'll be able to organize the chaos in a beautiful way while also decluttering your mind, which is why I can't wait for you to check out Erin Condren's petite planners and Life Planner collection. So let's talk through these. Real self-care is contributing to retirement. You heard me, contributing to retirement. I feel proud with every dollar contributed to provide myself a secure future. With each deposit in my IRA, I'm comforted that my children and grandchildren won't be responsible for taking care of my old, wrinkly self 50 years from now. Sure, there's a little sacrifice out of today's budget in order to make those contributions if you want to look at it that way, but there's no guilt and there's definitely a long-term benefit to contributing Therefore, planning for and contributing to retirement is definitely self-care. I bet you never thought of it that way. (laughs) 
Okay, the next one, working out. Oh, the dreaded workout. I can't tell you how many times I've silenced the alarm and rolled over and went back to sleep instead of going out for a run as I'd intended the night before. Self-care? No, just the opposite. When I do this, and this seems to be another one of those life lessons that has to be taught to me a thousand times, I feel sluggish, fog-brained, and basically terrible about myself all day. My inner monologue is typically negative on days when I avoid working out, which tells me that the act or acts that take place toward avoiding a workout is 100% in the sabotage realm. Alternatively, when I ensure that a workout happens, I'm full of energy throughout the day. I have an ultra-positive mindset, I feel less foggy, less stressed, and I swear I look better in my clothes even though my weight does not change. Yes, working out requires effort, sweat, and time, but it also provides health and mood benefits, and if you want to dig further, it provides wealth into the future because you'll theoretically have less health issues. The less hospital visits you have and the less prescriptions you need, the more of your money gets to be used where you want it to be. Like on a vacation or new countertops in the kitchen or whatever floats your mama boat. To me, the line is clear. The positives to working out outweigh the minutes of dread leading up to actually lacing up my shoes and walking out the door. So working out, which whether you're a runner, you use the app, or you go to the gym, is definitely self-care. All right, so the next one is meal prep. When I begin the week with meals planned, groceries purchased, and things halfway prepared, my week is less stressful, and I'm not frozen or tripped up the moment someone asks what's for dinner. I've already taken the time to look at our schedules, think about the kids' activities and what's on the calendar each night of the week, and plan a comparable meal. If it's a soccer or a swim night and we're on the go, I don't have to stop working 30 minutes prior to leaving just so that I can stand staring blankly into the fridge for 10 minutes trying to think of what on earth I could quickly make and pack. The list of food planned for each night is on the fridge. The meat's already cooked and the vegetables are already chopped, so there's no stress, panicked thinking, or last-minute defaults to pizza or fast food. Plus, we're consistently and intentionally within budget. It's a fabulous feeling. That's true self-care. And you might be coming at me right now with the excuse of time. So let's just get to the bottom of that. We all have the same amount of time. This has been my excuse for years as far as other things, so this is what I've learned recently. My 24 hours is the same as your 24 hours, and we each have 168 hours in a week. Now, it's how we choose, and yes, it's a choice to use our time. Trust me, I'd love to sit down and binge watch The Marvelous Miss Maisel on Sunday afternoon just as much as you would, but not at the sacrifice of my sanity and stress level for the next five days. So instead, I'm more often than not choosing to schedule time to meal plan and prep for the week ahead on a Sunday afternoon 
and blocking off time for relaxing. During that time-blocked relaxation session, I can watch TV or do whatever I want with zero guilt about dinners or food or whatever else could be looming because that is my free time. In this context, time-blocked for meal prep, for entertainment, or for calendaring is absolutely self-care. So let's talk about massage. This may be an easy one for you to understand, but I've struggled with this one. Believe it or not, I have gone through various phases since having kids where I'll have one massage a month or once a week. My personal struggles with this revolve mostly around the guilt of taking an hour to myself instead of being quote-unquote there for the kids. I've had to do some heavy internal thought work around this because I need that time away. I need to enjoy a quiet, peaceful room for an hour with no mental agenda and to be allowed to nearly fall asleep while having the golf balls rubbed out from underneath my shoulder blades. Know why? Because when I come home, I'm refreshed, I'm in less pain, and I'm carrying less stress weight, and therefore, I'm more present with the ones I love. Our bodies hold on to whatever stress we have in our muscles, and there are just some things that you just can't stretch out. Taking the time to get a massage was especially important when I started a new job last year and things weren't going quite as I planned. All in all, getting a massage is as healthy for my mind as it is for my muscles. And while there's definitely a line you'd have to draw where, you know, maybe you're away from the kids too much or spending too much money on massages, but if things are budgeted and planned, this is so important. Okay, so what about decluttering and simplification for self-care? These two things are definitely self-care in my book. And yes, for me, they're in the same category. Decluttering and simplification to me go hand in hand. Cleaning out a closet or consolidating bookshelves is work and it may not be what you call fun, but let me share why I think this way. When I walk into a room that's clean, organized, and basically pretty, I'm hit with a wave of peace and happiness, and that experience is very different from when I spend time in a disorganized, cluttered space. Now, my husband will tease that I'm no clean freak and that I don't pick up after myself as often as I should, but eh, that's neither here nor there. Little things around, because the space is lived in, don't bother me. But when something is just a complete disaster, like maybe the closet piled so high with junk that you're afraid to open up the door, yeah, I had one of those before. Or what about the dresser whose drawers are bursting at the seams with wadded clothes so that it's difficult to get the drawers open? Yeah, frustrating. So basically, things that are overflowing to the point that it's a nuisance. When a space, whether that be digital, like email, or a physical space, like a closet, is a mess, it tends to be a source of frustration, and it tends to linger in the back of our minds as a need-to-do. For some of us, it might even end up on a to-do list for weeks on end. Either way, it's annoying. So the next time you feel that irk of annoyance because some mess catches your eye, 
pay attention to if you feel any other tension in your body. When you sense this and realize what's happening, block off time to sort, declutter, organize, or simplify that particular thing. When you sense this and realize what's happening, notice that trigger and take action to block off time to sort, declutter, organize, or simplify that particular trigger point. Why, you ask? Because afterward, you're no longer be annoyed at the sight of whatever it was because it's no longer on your to-do list and because you'll feel so much more at peace in your own space. This is how it plays out in my life anyway, and I'm much happier when I'm not embarrassed to have someone over. And that level of relief is true self-care for me. So another one that I've personally struggled with is time with friends. I've concluded that it is of utmost importance though. Sure, it's difficult to schedule a date between conflicting schedules, It's challenging to hire a babysitter, and sometimes the effort it takes to actually get dressed and go out and show up to an event is nearly exhausting in itself. And of course, there's a fine balance to find, again, between being the mom who's out too often versus the mom who gets out sometimes as good medicine. A night of unwinding filled with encouragement and positive vibes from girlfriends, belly laughs, and a little music can really do a soul some good. Getting out removes us from the mundane day in and day out of our lives and gives us an outlet in which to just let loose and be silly with those we love. And then, it never fails, when I'm back, just like from a massage or a run or any of these other items that I've listed, I'm happy to be back. I'm more present. I'm more calm than I was before. So all in all, good times with fun, supportive friends is definitely self-care. This one might be easy for you to believe, but I'm going to put yoga as self-care. I agree it could be expensive, and the classes need to fit into you and your family's schedule very well so that coordination doesn't become a source of stress. But if these checkboxes are checked, yoga as self-care is so legit. Even if you have to do a free video series you found on YouTube, by the way, I highly recommend Yoga with Adrian. It provides time in your own little world where you can concentrate on your thoughts, your muscles, and the purity of the movement. I don't know about you, but I really appreciate quiet time with no outer voices, expectations, or influences, just the simple sound of my heartbeat and breath. And just a little insight here, during this time or immediately afterward, when all things are peaceful in my brain, this is when clarity comes to me. So if there's ever an issue I'm facing or a problem I've been mulling over, yoga really helps me figure it out. Often, our lives as mothers are so busy and so noisy that we don't get time just to be with and examine our own thoughts. We feel inundated with information every single day, checklists, to-dos, and everyone else's wants and needs that seem to always take precedent over our own. So, for a single yoga session, the opportunity to get centered and gain some clarity alone? Yeah, (laughs) that's self-care. 
All right. So what do you guys think about therapy or coaching services or counseling? I am so glad to see this one becoming normalized. We all need therapy. We're all a little crazy, and we've all had weird past experiences that shaped us in some way. We carry the results of those experiences, and regardless of the subject matter, whether it be money, relationships, scarcity issues, work, we project our thoughts and our assumptions onto others. In conversation, in our actions, and in the way other people respond to us, we can see the results of our prior experiences manifesting themselves into our current lives. This is where time with a therapist or engagements with a coach are beneficial to help us rewrite those negative stories and alter the behaviors that perpetuate them. Even coaches do self-coaching constantly. In fact, most coaches became a coach because they have a messed up past, but they figured it out and now they want to help others do the same thing. The act of hiring a therapist, seeing a counselor, or seeking out a coach to help you overcome an obstacle shouldn't be shameful and no one should have to justify their choice to seek help. Any type of coaching or counseling belongs in the self-care bucket. So the next one is legit vacation time. Even if for a weekend away, a conference, or on a full-on device-free family vacation, these things are absolutely self-care. Any amount of time where you can physically and mentally step back from the binging and beeping and fast-paced demands of this life clears your mind, allows you to remember what's really important to you, and guess what? Here's a hint. It's not work. It gives you space to come up with new ideas, a different strategy, a new coping mechanism, and even Just decide if your daily actions are in alignment with the life you set out to create. In the entrepreneurial space, it's openly discussed about the dangers of working in your business versus on your business. The CEO working on their business is focused on strategy, growth, partnerships, and those high-level decisions that you'd expect. The CEO who gets stuck working in their business gets buried by the day-to-day processing of payroll, invoicing, social media, coordination with employees, and things like that. Working in the business bars that business owner from having the mental space and time to strategize toward their big dreams. And that person often forgets why they even opened up shop in the first place. I think motherhood and life in general is a lot like this. It's natural to get buried in the day-to-day responsibilities, mindlessly cart the kiddos to their activities, and just get lost in the routine of things. This is why vacations are important. Typically, you'd travel somewhere, even if it's just the hotel in the next town over, and you'd be physically removed from the normality of your life. It's only when you're pulled outside that comfort zone that you might be able to see things more clearly. So vacations are most definitely self-care. The next one is hired help. 
Hiring a maid service, a nanny, a driver, any type of hired assistance that helps you manage your day-to-day stress by relieving you of the responsibilities you face so you can spend time on things that bring you joy falls into the self-care category. Cleaning the house, juggling the kids, work, extracurricular activities, plus regular home responsibilities like meal planning, grocery shopping, and scheduling repairmen can be completely overwhelming at times. We do a lot, mamas, and we need to hire help when we need it. If week after week you feel like you can't keep up with the clutter, hire a housekeeping service. Just do yourself a favor and relieve the pressure. It's not worth it. Work it into the budget and make sure the family's on board. But yes, the fact that this alleviates an internal stress you carry week after week makes it a priority. I've hired help to get my kids to activities on time. We've had the house steam cleaned by professionals instead of chalking up an entire Saturday to doing it ourselves. And we've paid for delivery services and online grocery options at times just because I couldn't handle one more thing on my plate that week. We all go through stressful or busy seasons. If you're feeling pressure from tasks like this, for one, realize that the pressure is only temporary. You will survive. And for two, hire help. So all in all, I want to be clear. If you tout that some form of indulgence is self-care, Please just reevaluate the feelings behind why you're being drawn toward that indulgence. Think about if you've felt the need to explain yourself or justify your choice. Examine if there's any level of guilt that you're subconsciously shooing away around indulging in that activity. There are triggers to let you know that the activity isn't really self-care and that you're likely redirecting some underlying emotion. On the flip side, basically anything that contributes to your health, happiness, security, or wealth now or in the future and has the potential for long-lasting results is self-care. Items that are a short-term sweet treat that are in any way cheating on a health plan, the budget, time with family or friends, or that holds you back in some way from becoming your best self possible is not self-care. Implementing self-care into your real life may seem impossible if you're facing a very busy season. And I understand that, although I will tell you it's possible. I've been having a blast exploring time management, time blocking techniques, tracking my own activities, and even reading a fabulous book called I Know How She Does It. I'm impressed and fascinated by this book and the things I've learned and been applying lately. So you'll definitely be hearing an upcoming episode on time management for us mamas where I'll share all of that. Okay, mama, there you have it. The activities I do and do not believe are really self-care. I think the biggest, best part of this episode, though, is not focused on the activities, but on the thought process behind whether or not you label something as self-care. We all lead different lives, experience different dynamics in our families, and ultimately, it's okay if something is not self-care to me, but it is to you, or vice versa. 
every one of us has to decide what works best in our own lives and do that. So next time you're feeling run down or needing to create some self-care in your life, just double check that whatever activity you choose can be done guilt-free with budgeted money and isn't an avoidance mechanism. Your self-care activities, whatever they are, should lower your stress level, allow peace in your life, or improve your health or mindset in some way. All right, mama, I truly believe we can have it all through intention, consistency, and always trying to be present in the moment. This week, edge a little closer to reaching abundance by implementing one positive self-care activity, one that makes your week less stressful or that fills your cup in some way. At the time of this recording, I have a couple of openings for one-on-one financial coaching where I help guide women toward their financial goals, whether that be debt freedom, a certain level of savings, or even to get their finances organized and begin to strategize toward a financial picture they'd be proud of. We work on money mindset, we dive into the numbers, and I help my clients strategize toward making their financial goals a reality. With that being said, I'm running a special right now where in addition to the free consultation, the rate on my coaching packages are less than $100 per hour. These prices are only good until February 29th, and of course, I'm doing this special so that I can help those mamas who are specifically focused on improving their financial situation this year. So pop over to happyhealthyabundance.net and on the work with me page, you can easily schedule a free chat with me and explore the packages and pricing right now. And as always, the show notes contain the links to and the summary of everything I shared with you here today. I look forward to talking with you again next time.